Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You doing well? Amen. Is this like the craziest, nuttiest time you've ever lived or what? Yeah, it is. I love it. I'm disappointed now. I was like, I want to see what you got next. Yeah, let's go. All right, let's play the game. How many want to play the game? How many are breathing? Okay. I got to know. Superman or Batman? All right, let's play, the, let's play the game. Okay. Superman, raise your hand. Hmm. <coughs> Batman. Hmm. Okay, we got a Superman crowd. First crowd was, I think they were a Spider-Man crowd. They just kind of sat there. All right. Okay, Pepsi or Coke? Who's Pepsi? Hmm. Coke. Coke crowd. Hmm. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Raise your hand. Oh, chocolate. How many both? <laughs> Sheets or Wawa? Sheets. Yeah, we're Central PA, aren't we? Wawa. I like Wawa. <laughs> of course, though, Sheets has pretzels now like Wawa, so I like them. Okay. Now, I got a deal for you this morning. I got a deal you can't pass up. For some of you, you know that I was running around Friday giving away lettuce. <laughs> now, you know we do meals at Wright School every day for kids and families and so forth. All through this era, we've been getting food from U.S. food that they're needing to get rid of and so forth and so on. We never really know what's coming each day. It's a variety of stuff. Well, we got boxes of romaine lettuce, 24 heads in each box. I gave away 20 boxes that day. If you didn't get one, that's not because I didn't think of you. It's because I was scrambling to get rid of them. What's really funny is whenever I put a box on Patty Bracken's porch, you had no idea I was bringing 24 heads of lettuce to her house. <laughs> All right? but, but here's the deal I got for you. But we have something else that I will give you. We have five-gallon buckets of sour cream. Five, we have five-gallon buckets. What do you do with a five-gallon bucket of sour cream? I'm thinking about stucco in my foundation with it or something. Okay. Right? Like, we got these huge buckets. I'm like, I actually got rid of four, four or five of those, right? But let me give you a suggestion, all right? Now, you think I'm crazy. Well, we are. But, you know, I found out you can freeze this stuff. So... If you have a couple of people that you like or family members that you like, even if you don't like them, you take a five-gallon bucket, you split it down, everybody gets a gallon, then you break that down, you put it in freezer bags, and you put it in the freezer for the next six months. There you go. I have saved you sour cream for months to come. Either that or we're going to have, as somebody said this morning, let's have a taco Sunday. We'd have to have a year full of taco Sundays. I've got 20 buckets over there. So I'm telling you now, if you need a bucket of sour cream, come see us. Man, there you go. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's jump into this. Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you know it sounded like a war zone out there last night? <laughs> my, um, my wife went home to see her dog because her dog hates fireworks, only to find the dog hiding in the shower. Yeah, it was pathetic. Faith is. We're doing a series on faith is because I am firmly 
convinced that we need to, as the people of God, we are the children of God, we are the kingdom of God, we must elevate our faith level in this era. We must be people who walk by faith, speak by faith, live by faith, that we are not being discouraged. We're not shrinking back. We're not going left. We're not going right. We're the people of God. Yes, the world is throwing uncertain things at us, but we have a faith level that connects us to God, and we're not going anywhere. Amen? And I really think that's important. And today I want to talk to you about faith and promises or faith promises. And so let me give you a couple of verses. The first verse is our foundational scripture for this series. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the substructure, the foundation, the footing underneath us. It is the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Who's speaking good? God is speaking good, speaking well of you, speaking a testimony about you whenever you walk by faith. So let me give you a couple of verses found in chapter 11 that's connected to the promises of God. By faith, Abram lived as an alien in the land of promise. It was called the promised land because it was the land that God promised Abraham while he was still living in the era of the Chaldeans. He lived there as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. By faith, even Sarah herself, his wife, received the ability to conceive, and she was 90 years old. <laughs> I heard Paul chuckling. Abram was 100 years old. Can I just ask you, is there anybody here this morning that wants to be 90 and have a kid? <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm out. All right. I, I raised my kids. I now live with my grandkids. I've done double duty. I don't want a third stint. All right. <laughs> okay. But listen to me. So, so now you've got a 100-year-old man, a 90-year-old woman, and by faith, Sarah, even herself, received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. And she considered him faithful who made the promise. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. So now that child who was a child of promise given to a man at 190 years later, God says, I want that child of promise. And we know that Abraham went, tested, offered him, but God did not take him. And then we have that one verse, verse 33 that talks about these ancients of faith that who by faith conquered kingdoms. How many know we only have one kingdom to conquer in this world? It's the kingdom of darkness. Amen? How many know Jesus already defeated the kingdom of darkness? Amen? So our battle is not against flesh and blood. Let's remember that. It's against a kingdom that's already been defeated. Yes, it's still active, but it has been defeated. Kingdoms performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, and shut the mouths of lions. So begin to ponder this, and I talk about the faith and the promises. You see, because you can only walk in the promises of God by faith. You, you can't walk in the promises of God without faith. It, it's impossible, all right? And so I was pondering this, and as I was pondering it in this era that we're living in, the, the COVID era, and it's really well beyond that, though. Amen? But using it as a backdrop, I mean, because it has impacted every part of our life in some facet, has it not? Your family life, your personal life. I mean, COVID has even infected my golf game. I'm pretty sure my clubs have COVID right now. Either that or those golf balls Dick Scolton gave me. Let Jeremy, Jeremy, you just allow me just a moment, okay? I need to talk to the, one of the golfers here. Jeremy, Jeremy, okay, I can golf. Like, like literally, I can go shoot in the 70s in, the, in golf, right? So, Paul, I go out, and, and I play one day, and I shoot like 78, okay? 
So then I go out the following Monday evening just to golf nine holes by myself. I hit a drive, now number one tee down the fairway. It's nice. It's down the left-hand side of the fairway. Right there it is. Ah, it's good. 140 yards to the pin. I'm going bur- to birdie this hole. Hit the first shot. It went that way. The green was that way. It went 45 degrees that way. Across the cart path. Across the fairway. Across the cart path. Wow. What was that? I hit another one. It did the same thing. Four in a row. Okay. I go down. I play number two, Paul. Number two is a par three across the water. It's 185 yards. I'm going to hit a five iron. Yeah, I'm going to. Okay. I get up. I hit the first ball. It goes 45 degrees right across the cart path. Oh, I hit a second one, Paul. It went 45 degrees across the cart path. I'm shanking them. I haven't shanked a ball since I learned how to golf when I was 20. Thankfully, Jesus had mercy and sent a thunderstorm. It poured down raining and I left. Amen. I stopped at the driving range just to go in and see the guys at the bottom of Frankstown. And it stopped raining. I said, I'll hit a bucket of balls. I went out and hit a bucket of balls. I hit 25 of them straight right. Now I'm totally screwed up in my head. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, you, you think, uh, and there, there is an illustration here coming, all right? So now, now I'm golfing, I'm standing over my ball, and all I'm thinking of is shanking the ball right, so now I'm yanking the ball left. I'm a nervous wreck hitting the stinking ball now. I'm all think, thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I mean, you know, some of us are living our life that way right, right now. We're living our life right now. It's like, is it left? Is it right? Is it right? Is it left? I, 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 we, we, there's an uncertainty to the air, right? I, I'm up over the ball going, oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, right? That's how we're living our life in some sense. There's this uncertainty about the next day and what's going to be thrown at us. But the reality of it is, you and I, as children of God, we are living today under the promises of God. And we're connected to those promises through faith. Now, there are six promises that I want to talk about that I think that we need to remind ourselves, wait a minute, I'm living under these promises, okay? And we'll get to some other stuff with it later. So let's go. Oh, first of all, all right, six promises that we're living under right now. First of all, you and I are living under and in the promise of salvation. Let's start there. That you and I, one day, we put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did in Calvary, we were reconciled to God, the Bible tells us, that you and I, when that happened, the Bible says something transactioned in that moment where now we became a child of God. To those who believe, he became the rights to become children of God, sons of God. How many of you ever hear this phrase? We're all God's children. It's not true. It's not true. We may all be God's creation on the face of the earth, but we are not all God's children we become a child of God through faith in Jesus, and we walk in the promise of salvation, that we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I'm a child of God. Therefore, the things that belong to God belong to me. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God when I've come to salvation. I'm in the kingdom of God now, not just when I die. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Do we understand we live now under the promises of God that come with salvation? It's very important to remember who you are. You're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter. You are um, a member of God's kingdom. You are a member of his household. You're a citizen. That we're living in this world as a member of another world through the promises of salvation. All right? And that's very fundamental, I know, but it is very important 
for us to understand because that is what leads us to the other promises. If you're not saved, the other promises aren't going to matter to you much. They're not going to, that you're walking into them. So we got the promise of salvation. Then you have, which is very important in this era, is that you and I live with the promise of the Holy Spirit. For centuries prior to the Old New Testament, God had promised that there would be a day where he would put his spirit in human flesh. All right? We live in that era. All right? That Jesus, when he walked the earth, he promised that he would ask the Father, and the Father would send another like him, a comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. All right? And that we live sealed with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And what does he do? Well, the Bible says he guides us, he leads us, he teaches us. Anybody need the guidance of the Holy Spirit today? I'm going to tell you something. Good luck getting the truth today. Good luck getting the truth. Who the heck's telling the truth? Mask, no mask. Oh, for crying out loud. I don't know who's telling the truth. Okay, because the average American right now cannot watch what's reported, watch the news, and get what you think is the absolute truth. This side has agenda-based reporting. This side has agenda-based reporting. And we don't know the truth, but I will promise you this much. We still have a God who is the Holy Spirit of God. That the Holy Spirit can still guide us and lead us and teach us in these moments. I don't know about you, but I need the discerning of the Holy Spirit in this hour. It is challenging our leadership like never before. It is challenging what we should do, when we should do, how we should do it, like never before in my life. I went to school in 19, let's see, I came to this church in 1976. I went to, got married in 84. I finally stopped rebelling against God in 87. Took my wife and two kids and went to school, for a Bible school to accept the call of God in my life. Been around it ever since, been here 20 years. Never been through an era like it in my life. And I need the Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me. And the promise of the Holy Spirit is that he will lead you, teach you, he will speak to you. He intercedes for you when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray. He prays with you. He prays for you, the Bible says. What? Because he knows the thoughts of God. Do you know what I need in this hour? I don't need the more thoughts of men. I need the thoughts of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who connects me to that, right? And so you and I live under the promise of salvation. We're God's children. We live under the promise of the Holy Spirit where he leads us and guides us and teaches us in this hour. And then there's the promise of prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, I'm gonna give it to you. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, right? If you call, I will answer. Listen to me this morning. How many know we believe in prayer, right? We believe in prayer. If we didn't, if we didn't believe, why would we pray for businesses? Why would we pray for the government? Why would we pray for schools in this church? We believe in prayer. Therefore, we pray. Because how many know praying is more than speaking? Oh, yeah, we speak when we pray. But how many know we listen when we pray? We hear when we pray. You, you see, in this hour, how many of you think it's important that we pray? All right? And so we got the promise of salvation, the promise of prayer, um, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of prayer. And then there's an important one. They're all important, but it's the promise of provision and protection. The Bible tells me that God is going to meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you here today, have you gone without your needs met during this hour? 
Anybody here that has gone without their needs met? I'm not talking about your wants. I'm not talking about me wanting to shoot par. I'm talking about needs. Anybody here going hungry this morning? Promise me, I ain't going hungry. Anybody going homeless this morning in this house? Don't, all right? I'm just saying that God has promised to be faithful and that he'll meet every one of your needs. The important thing about this is that keeps you from walking in fear. It keeps you from walking in doubt. It keeps you from violating the principles of God's word. Faith connects you to the promises so that you continue to operate by the principles of God's word. Fear disconnects you from the promises and now you violate the principles of God's word. In this hour, when there's uncertainty in the air and there's uncertainty in the economics of our country, then people are saying, I can't give right now because if I give, I might not have enough. How many know that is opposite the principles of God's word and it is opposite of faith because it's operating now by fear? All right, it's, the, it's probably the worst thing we could do, right? And that's not a ploy to get your money. You guys have been awesome. People, somebody asked me yesterday, well, how did the church survive financially? I said, we're, we're, we're good. The church, the people keep giving. Givers know how to keep, givers just keep giving, you know? But all of our needs, but also, there's a protection over our life. How many of you are gonna protect your kids in this era? Right? You're in covenant relationship with your children. You're in covenant relationship with your spouse. There is a protection that comes with that covenant relationship. When I step into covenant relationship with my father through faith in Jesus Christ, there is a protection element that comes into my life. Now, I'm going to tell you, not everything in my life has been perfect. Amen? But God still has protected me from so much. So there's the promise of faith provision. There's a promise of protection. And then... We walk with the promise of his return. The book of Acts shows us a group of people who lived under what they believed would be the imminent return of Jesus Christ. They didn't believe it was going to be 2,000 years. I can promise you that, right? That they thought that he was coming back, he was coming back soon, and it became the fuel for their missiology, they were passionate. They were, why do you think that they were willing to put up with persecution, hardship, all the stuff they did? There was a missiology that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon and we're gonna be about his business and we gotta be about his kingdom, right? There's this promise of return. Listen to me this morning. He's still coming back. He's still coming back, all right? And, and one day, that guy's gonna part and the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he's coming back. And that's not a fear thing for the church. Amen? That's not fearful. But see, what, what that means gets us to one other promise. Now, listen to me. There are other promises of the word, but these are six I think we need to be locked into right now in this era. But the promises of return means that there's a promise of a righteous reign that's going to take place upon the earth. There ain't a righteous reign on the earth right now. How many know that? How many know there's, there's not a righteous reigning kingdom on the earth right now? I don't care. You can take the best of the kingdoms of the world. It's still not righteous because none of them are founded upon a righteousness foundation. All right? Now, let me show you a scripture uh, out of 2 Peter. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. All right? Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? 
because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You know, there's going to be a day where there's not going to be a shred of injustice on the face of the earth. That there will not be a shred of racism on the face of the earth. There will not be a shred of anything unrighteous on the face of the earth. How many of that is something to look forward to? It's amazing to me to watch, even in the church world today, how we think we can politicize our place to a point of utopia. It ain't happening, man. It is not happening this side of the return of Jesus Christ. It's just not. Because even the best of the kingdoms of the world are still founded upon the might and power of the kingdoms of the world, which are more in line with the kingdom of darkness than the kingdom of light. There will be a day, though, that there will be righteousness that will reign from heaven, and it will be on earth, and you and I will live in that. You know, right now, we live in an, an amazing time. The... the, the I can't wait for the day where there's not going to be any political partisanship. There's not going to be any racism. There's not going to be any injustices. I can't wait for that day, but that's not coming until Jesus establishes a righteous reign on the earth. Right now, you and I in this world, the, the middle ground has been abandoned. The extreme lefts and the extreme rights have sucked people away from the middle. It's an amazing time. I can't stand over here. I stand against injustice. I stand against racism. I hate racism, I despise it, and yet if I speak against the lawlessness of the land right now, people are saying I'm racist. No, I'm not. Racism is wrong, and the anarchy and lawlessness in our land is wrong. But the problem is today, you can't stand in the middle because you're getting shot by both, and if you're not for me, you're against me. Do not get sucked from common sense. Do not get sucked from the truth of God. Do not get sucked from the middle. Because the reality of it is, there's more truth here than there is on any fringe. That's the extent of my political preaching this morning. Now watch this. Why does God make promises? Why does he make them? Why does God make promises? Well, I'll take you through a few things. First of all, God makes promises to people to bring about the purpose of God through those people. Go all the way back. He creates Adam and Eve, puts them in a garden. They sin, they fall. God comes, he makes a, a he brings the, the, the consequences of that. But he says to the woman, oh, by the way, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. Your seed is gonna crush the head of that serpent. How many know that was the promise right there? I mean, that promise was to her, but how many know that promise was to us? Later on, you find where God begins to make a promise to Abraham. He makes a promise to Abraham, but the reason he made the promise to Abraham was because he was making a promise to the world through Abraham. You see, what we do is we take the promises of God, we make them purely personal, and turn them into our way to chase the great American dream. When God wants to give you a promise so that you are blessed and you are blessed a blessing through you, right? It's never, listen to me this morning, if you read chapter 11, all these people who the promises of God talk, are talking about, never was it just about them. He gives promises to people to bring about his purposes. Personal promises are almost always connected to collective good. Do you know why there's certain promises in my life as a pastor? For you. 
There are certain promises in my life for my kids, my children, my grandchildren, right? Understand something this morning. Do not, because watch this. When you strip the collective purpose from the promises of God, it will limit the power of the fulfilled promise. When you only make it about you, what if Abraham would have only made it about him? Think about that. If he had only made it about him, what would have happened? If Moses would have only made the promises about him, if Joshua, and on and on we could go, would only made it about them, it would have limited the fulfilled purpose. When you ignore the collective good connected to a promise from God, you rob others of the benefit of those promises in your life. It's funny. Joshua finds himself at the city of Jericho after crossing the Jordan. Here's this city with this wall that they drive chariots on. God gives him this plan to march around it, this weird, whacked out, goofy plan to attack this place. Walk around it six days, once a day, seven times on the seventh day, lift up a shout. I'm going to okay, that's weird, God. Watch this. But why did God bring those walls down? Because he made a promise to Abraham. Because he made a promise to Abraham that that land I'm giving to you and your descendants. Do you understand there are times in your life that God will make a promise to you that he will keep to somebody else because he's keeping it to you? Uh, there are things in my life today that are, I'm experienced because God made a promise to my mother. How many of you want to be somebody that God can make a promise to that he'll keep it to you, but it'll be through somebody else? That's what he did. With the reason he brought the walls down is because I made a promise to Abraham. The reason he parted the Red Sea, I made a promise to Abraham. The, on and on we can go because I made a promise. Man, I want to be the person that God makes a promise to and through that might come to fruition through somebody else's life. Amen. Did you hear her? She said amen. Or oh me or shut him up or something. Look, this is what he said to Abraham. This is what he said to him when he was still in a idol-worshiping family. I will bless you. You'll be a blessing. And all the world's going to be blessed through you. Personal and collective. We are part of the blessing of Abraham today. When do these promises come, though? Like, when, does the, when do these promises come into our life at times? Well, I was reading, looking at these guys, these women. It's funny. Often the promise comes before its reality, right? The promise comes before the reality. You see, I made a promise to Penny. 1984. Till death do us part. How many know that's a promise? How many know the reality hasn't happened yet? She's been tempted, but it hasn't happened yet. Right? I, I, uh, Liam, my little grandson. Had some infected teeth. He had an accident of jumping off something last year and busted up his teeth and had an infection in these two, so they had to come out. He'll be without front teeth for the next year and a half. <laughs> Here I am. So what do I do? Liam, want an apple? Anyhow. <laughs> so, so I said to him, he's, he had to go there Friday to get these two teeth out. All right? So and he was, like, stressing over it, and he was like, all oh, this stuff. And, and I said, listen, here, come here, come here. So I sit him down. Liam, I said, listen. You go, it's okay if you cry a little bit. It's okay. If they put that needle in you and they get to know, it's okay if you cry. But you can't crazy cry. Like you can't melt down. You can't get out of your, you can't be out of your mind. Right? Okay. And if you, if you do that, Pappy will give you $20 when you come back. 
Okay? Okay, Pop. Okay. He's like, because he's all excited because he's going to the concession stand at the ball field with that 20 bucks. Gonna be 427 Tootsie Rolls in his pocket. <laughs> he's in the dugout at the game. He's the bat boy. I'm at the concession stand buying Carson something. He spies me. He guess who runs out of the dugout to get something to eat. Okay? But anyhow, so, so, so he comes back. They, they come back. I go see him, Paul. They bring him back from the, the getting the teeth out. And I said, let me see, man. How'd it go? How'd it go? He, he, how'd he do, Mom? He did good. He did pretty good. He cried some. But he did pretty good. Okay, good. Now look, well, he only got one tooth out. Yeah, they only had to take one out. Instantly went into negotiations. Liam, it was 20 bucks for two teeth. So now I should only have to pay you 10. <laughs> oh, I, come on, I mean, it was two teeth. 20 bucks. How many know I lost a negotiation? <laughs> and I gave him the 20. But the, but the reality is I made him a promise, and it was a promise that I would fulfill if he did his part, and it was before the reality. God often makes promises to us before the reality of it. Amen? And you've got to walk in it and see it because here's the deal. And the faith is the substance. It's the footing. It's the substructure by which we see and believe the promise, even when it can't be seen. I didn't show Liam the $20 I was going to give him. Right? By the way, when I promised him $20, Carson wouldn't know when she was getting paid for helping me at right all week. <sighs> there are times in our lives where we have to, by faith, see the promise, even when it can't be seen, even before it's reality. You see, there's times in our life when it comes despite the reality. Abraham, you're a hundred stinking years old, but I'm giving you a son. Thank you. Sarah, you're 90 years old and your womb is dried up and I'm giving you a son. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the reality is. This is the promise despite the reality. There are times in our life where God says, man, I'm going to make this promise. I know you can't see it. I know it's not your reality. As a matter of fact, I'm going to override what your reality is. Amen? Faith is the substance by which we believe the promise, even when our reality says, don't believe it. Remember what Sarah did? What did she do when she heard she was going to have a kid? She laughed. She laughed. <laughs> and then she was silent for nine months. I'm not even going to make a joke about that. <laughs> There's too many women in this room. And my, I got three sisters and a wife and a mother, and yeah, I'm, I'm not that dumb. What are the promises of God doing in my life, though? So now you have these promises. They come before reality. They come in the, in despite our reality. But how do I live? And what, what does it do in my life? Well, first of all, the promise of God becomes the guiding principles of my life. That these are the things that are going to guide my daily walk. Abraham, leave your family. Leave your country. Leave everything you know. This is what I'm going to do. That became the guiding principle of his life. Moses, this is what I want you to do. I will be with you, Moses. And I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to leave them out of Egypt. Right? And then for 40 years around that wilderness, on and on we can talk. When you know what the promises of God are, faith connects you to them, and those promises become the guiding principles of our lives. That we walk according. I walk according to the promises of salvation, the promise of the Holy Spirit inside of me, the promise of prayer, the promise of a, of a righteous return, a promise of one day he's going to establish a righteous reign. Therefore, I will not shrink back in the presence. I'm going to live and be guided by the principles of these promises. All right? 
Um, faith is the substance that causes me to walk through life according to the promises of God. Either I believe it or I don't believe it. Faith is the substance that connects me to the one making the promise. Faith connects us to the person, connects us to God, connects us to the person of Jesus. It's not connecting to a philosophy or a concept. It's connecting us to the person and everything that comes with the person, right? Liam wasn't trusting in a concept. His faith was in Pappy. He's going to give me 20 bucks. His faith was in Pappy, right? Faith always connects you to the person of God and then connects you to the promise of God. See, it's what's important about that is the promise is only as good as the one making the promise. It's just, it's just all there is to it. You see, what I know about God is from his character, he's faithful. He's true. He's righteous. That God is good. There are, because listen to me, the enemy of your soul wants you to buy the lie that God isn't good. Right? But what we do is we connect to him and we know the promise is good because he's good. The promise is good because he's good. Faith is that substance that causes me to believe in the one who makes the promise more than the promise itself. Who's my faith in? The promise or God? My faith's in God. I hear the promise, I see the promise, but my faith is in God, right? The promise is only as good as the power of the one making the promise. I can have good character, but not have the ability. How many believe this morning that I'm gonna give you $10 million? <laughs> we got two faith-filled people back in the back, Troy and Jen. Of the two, Jen's the only one I'm giving it to, Okay. Like, like, like the reality of it is, I really think if I had that kind of money, like I could just give it away, I pretty much know me and I know that I pretty much would give money away. I, I give stuff away now, I love giving stuff away. And I really believe my character would give away. The problem is I don't have this thinking power. I don't have $10 million. But if I had a baby, boy, would I have fun. I mean, I would put so many boxes of lettuce on Patty Bracken's porch, she wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I chuckled about that for two days because <laughs> she had no idea she was showing up to 24 heads of lettuce. It was great. Listen, the, the, we have to believe not only is God good and will keep his promise, but God is able to keep his promise. God is powerful enough to keep his promise. He doesn't make empty promises that he cannot fulfill. When he made a promise to Abraham, that promise would be realized through God's power to part the Red Sea when they come out of Egypt, to part the Jordan River, to bring down the walls of Jericho. It would be powerful enough to work miracles on behalf of his people. That's who our God is. And we still live under that God today. Faith is the substance that causes me to believe more in the power of the one making the promise than the power of myself. Nowhere did God call them to do it themselves. Abraham, you're 100 years old, you can't make a kid, but I'm gonna make a kid through you. Joshua, you can't bring those walls down, but when you shout, baby, we're gonna bring those walls down. Moses, you can't part that Red Sea, but pick up that stick, put up that staff and part the Red Sea. You understand this morning, the reason that some of us don't walk in the promises of God is that we're trying to create the promises of God ourselves when the reality of it, he's the one that does it. He does it. So my, my 
Faith is the substructure that connects me to the one who has the power, not to me. You see, we're living in an hour. Troy's back there yawning. I saw that. I'm just going to show you all what he was doing. Busted, pal. Come on. Tell her you fall asleep. Come on, give him, come on, Troy, give him hope. Listen, we're living in an hour when our faith is being tested. But faith is the very substance that connects us to the promises of God in this hour. It's being tested, but it is the thing that tests that, that connects us to God. It's being chipped away at, it's being tried. The enemy's always working to cause your faith to shrink. To cause your faith to cause you to shrink back, to cause you to go left to right. It is being tested in this era, right? We're living in a day of fulfilled promises of God and yet to be fulfilled promises of God. How many know there's not a righteous reign upon the earth right now? But it is promised. How many know Jesus has not come back yet? But it is promised, right? And we live in the reality of fulfilled promises and yet to be fulfilled promises. And we live according to the promises of God, both now and not yet. Man, why do I walk in confidence? Why do I walk in victory? Because my faith connects me to the fulfilled promises and the yet to be fulfilled promises. This is an hour that we walk in the promise of salvation. You're children of God. You are kingdom of God. You are citizens of God's household. You're citizens of the kingdom of God. Therefore, we live in this hour with the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit that He guides you, leads you, prays for you, intercedes for you, gives you the gift that you need in the moment. What's the most important gift of the Holy Spirit? The one that's needed at the moment. I don't need prophecy when somebody needs healed. I don't need healing when somebody needs a prophetic word. Come on. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that knows what He's doing. We walk in this power and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Who will speak to you? I promise you, if you'll take a John, a John moment, and isolate yourself from the noise, isolate yourself from social media for a season. I love social media for what it is. I hate it for what it is too. But if you will isolate for a season, you will hear the voice of God better. Just telling you. This is an hour we walk in the promise of powerful prayer. We pray. We pray. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our enemies. And I'm going to tell you, I told you before why you pray for your enemies. Because it deals with your heart. It deals with my heart when I pray for my enemy. It's hard for me to hate him when I'm praying for him. It's hard for me to want to kill him when I'm praying for him. Right? This is the hour we walk in the power of prayer. You watch that church in the book of Acts. How many times? But the church prayed. But the church prayed. But the church prayed. This is an hour we walk in the promise of his protection and his provision in our lives. I know my father taking care of me. I may not get every one of mine once. I may not get everything my selfish heart once sometimes. I may, but I got every need met. And I know he's going to protect me. And I know he's looking out for me. I'm walking in confidence. This is an hour we walk in the promise of the return of the king. One day he's coming back, baby. Let us not forget that. It's kind of funny. It's been 2,000 years. Sometimes I promise it's been 2,000 years. It kind of seems like it's never coming, right? It's coming one day. 
And this is the hour we walk in the promise that there's going to be a righteous reign upon the earth where the kingdom of God is going to be established once and for all. That's a promise that no politician in this world can make. That's a promise that cannot come through political processes. It cannot come through human leaders. It cannot come through anything this world has to offer. It cannot come through the ways of the world. It will only come through the kingdom of God. This is the hour we walk in faith. This is an hour we walk in faith. And it's our faith that connects us to the promises. But it's our faith that connects us to the one who makes the promises. You know, I was, uh, I'm going to close with this kind of little illustration. You see, because this era has really kind of just, like I said, it's just kind of changed all the dynamics, right? I, I, we, we, we had uh, we had some friends' house yesterday and swimming and having a blast and all that stuff. And I love to swim, right? And I love, uh, when I had a pool, I was in it every day, right? And I love it. Carson, my little granddaughter, is a fish. Oh my goodness. If you squeezed her right now, water would come out. But we're swimming, and there's probably 20 of us in the pool, and we're having a good old time, and we're splashing, and we're having fun, and all that. And, there, and then people keep dissipating out of the pool. By, by 7 30, 8 o'clock, just two of us in the pool, me and Carson. Right? And we had all this fun while everybody was there, but all of a sudden now, it was just her and I again, and we were having. A whole lot of fun. It was just different dynamic. In this era, I want to say to you, it has even changed the way in which we worship. But he has not changed. Right? And we are still connected to him by faith. And now you have an opportunity to discover something about him you would have never discovered before. It's a different dynamic right now. Grasp it. Embrace it. Allow it to give you a revelation that's different. Allow your faith to connect you to the one that's beyond the event. That's beyond the event, right? Thank God for Sunday events. Thank God for Sunday events with the saints. I love it. But I want to tell you something. When everybody's out of the pool, and it's just you and him, just you and him, I promise you, there'll be a connection that is different than you have here. And you're going to walk in the promises of God. Every man or woman always had a season of isolation where he gave them a revelation that was different than they had before. And they came out of that walking in the promises of God. So Father, this morning, you're a good God. Thank you for your promises. Thank you that your promises still stand today. We stand as the saved, the redeemed, the Lord, children of God, children of the kingdom, sons and daughters of the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom. We thank you, God, this morning that your Holy Spirit dwells within us and lead us and guide us and protect us and, and direct our paths. We thank you, God, today for the ability to, to pray to a Father who hears us. We thank you for your provision and your protection. We thank you that we know your Son is coming back. The one you raised from the dead. There's going to be a day where he's coming back and there's going to be an established righteous reign. Therefore, our hearts do not lose confidence in this hour. 
but rather we are more of courage, more of confidence. And so, Father, this day, may we be connected to your promises through faith. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. It really sounds better when there's 500 in the room. <laughs> right? Come on, stay with me. Troy's going to lead us in a song. Have a great week. Have a great day. If you brought your offering, you can still give. We got these gizmos up here you can give in. You can give it electronically. There's boxes on the wall. God bless you, man. We love you.